welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive, Andy. Uh, we're going to Detroit, Motor City, uh, to talk about the Lions, and I gotta be honest with you, um, this okay. these are these are my weekly most weekly held opinions of the four of the four teams in this division of the eight teams we've done so far i have the most weak opinions about the lions and that opinion is they're slightly overrated where are you with this detroit lions team and do you think that my take is just being contrarian to all the people who have been beating the drum that the lions are coming that they're excited about what they're doing for the last several seasons or is there actually something brewing where we wake up week three week four and we're like oh this is clearly a top four team in the nfc conference or the nfc you know what i mean the national football conference the national football conference conference um (laughs) i mean the hype is probably a little shark jumping at this point but it's one of those things where you look at the schedule and say and this is one of my favorite things about preseason um, or just this part of the year is uh, maybe that's worth a study. I should go back and look at like win totals. If you just splay out and do strength of schedule based on implied win totals mm-hmm. and then see where they actually ended up and see, because, you know, we've done this with like actual win totals and how far the average mm-hmm. delta is from your median win total set by the market. But man, it feels like every year this is in everybody's previews. Like they were projected to have the sixth toughest schedule last year. As it turns out, they played the 28th. You know, <laughs> shit happens all the time. So I don't awesome. know how much I don't know how much I love leaning on schedules, but just off the bat, Detroit's doesn't look too bad. And then I've kind of drank some Kool-Aid. And this is my fault for spending too much time on YouTube. But there's some pretty fun youtube channels where they'll break down you know i love watching the stuff where they break down schemes and they break down plays and they break down what makes a team successful on either side of the ball and i caught like an hour and a half of like ben johnson stuff a couple mm-hmm. weeks back I'm like fuck this works yeah he gets he on, gets it yeah. he gets he it gets i'm it. on right like if you have like we just said with the Minnesota Vikings, a competent offensive line to protect your quarterback. And yeah, Goff, maybe Goff is Goff is Cousins. I mean, that's you're gonna find them in this in the same range. Goff is right better than Cousins at some some junctures of the game. If you have a true wide receiver one that can yeah, get separation, beat coverages, and stay healthy, and mm-hmm. enough of a run game to you know, supplement it when you need it and it's efficient. And then somebody who's calling the right place, pushing the right buttons. It's hard to be a bad team. Mm-hmm. Like just when you, that, that sets such a baseline, like the defense can stink out loud and you're still just going to win half your games. It just turns yeah. you into like, you, you need, yeah, you need so much. You need to be like inverse Vikings for you to have like a bad season. Like you have to sure. lose all the coin flips because that just, yeah, the floor raiser that puts you in all these coin flip games, they have that. And yeah. I'm, so in a week NFC, 
they're probably a top five team, you know, yeah. a lot of times based on what they have. And it might, like we just said with Minnesota, um, it might not yeah. take a big turnaround on defense for them to win this division. Like yeah. that would be great if they if the defense clicks and some of the pieces they have added or some of the pieces they've had younger pieces, the hutches and whatnots of the world start to make this big hockey stick shaped ascension, mm-hmm. you know, look out. This team is legit a threat to the Eagles, a threat to the Cowboys, a threat sure. to the Niners, a threat can, to the good teams. Can win a playoff game. Can can win, you know, multiple playoff games. But it just, yeah, I, I think the hype is some of it has to be based around just the competition. Yeah. And I think to be fair, some of the hype has died down. Um, you know, there's nobody really kind of not certainly not to the tune of the last two seasons heading into the season when people were like, this is a sleeper team this year. They're favored to win their division. Like there's not, you know, they, there's, they're getting market respect. Um, pretty clearly, but there's nobody who's running around saying how in the world are these guys now minus one 200 to win a bad division, right? Like nobody's like really um, super confident that this is going to go well. And I think it's easy to have a little bit of pessimism about the Lions because their schedule starts really, really tough. Obviously, the sacrificial lambs to the yeah. Chiefs in week one is not a great way to start. So like, you know, even if you are like, even if you are plan. quietly, yeah, even if you are quietly really bullish Lions, like, it's to your advantage to just keep your opinion to yourself until after that game. <laughs> but like there's, you know, you know, perception is going to go down about the lions out of the gate, almost certainly because of this, you know, where they find themselves week one. And now if they go and shock the world and beat the chiefs, we're having a very different conversation, obviously, but I don't think realistically that, um, you know, that, that that the setup is especially favorable for them to start the season. Uh, a couple of really tough defenses, um, in the first five weeks and and just in general, a couple of tough road games. So it's it's possible that you get what you got last year, which is a slow start to the year. Um, ben Johnson, who you mentioned, we could t- spend a little bit. Of, he's probably worth featuring here all right off the top. Um, top three offensive coordinator currently in the NFL, maybe top one. I'm perfectly fine giving him top three, though. Um, there's just not very many good offensive coordinators in the NFL right now. Um, Sam Monson, who I appreciate. A lot of them are just our head coaches. Like, the, the ones you really respect, it's like, yeah. he's not getting a head coaching job because he's a yeah. head coach. Yeah, Sam Sam Monson of PFF, who I appreciate. Uh, at one point, they PFF pushed out a Sam Monson's ranking of offensive coordinators in the NFL. I think well, was he? I don't know remember what he was, but I he sent it to you, and I was I sent it to you, and I was literally like, "Was Sam on drugs? <laughs> like, what is this list?" And then I like looked at it, like the offensive corner list myself, and I was like, "Oh, this is really really hard because there just are not a lot of good incumbent." offensive coordinators where you have signal on this guy gets it but you know he's for you know so it's a lot of like well this guy oh. showed flashes here and now he's here with this this guy worked under him he might have learned something there um, ben johnson is fascinating because he is homegrown talent in detroit which huh <laughs> Like, I, I don't know how it's possible that he is now and, you know, he he was offensive quality control for them in 2019, tight ends 2020, tight ends 2021, offensive coordinator 2022. This is his second year as the offensive coordinator. So he is homegrown. Before that, he was an assistant and wide receivers coach for the Miami Dolphins. All this is to say most of the shortcutting your way to being like a good, bright offensive mind in today's NFL is like you either were in the same room working with Shanahan and all those guys. McVeigh on, on his staff 
or, you know, where you learn, you have transfer of knowledge, right? Somebody's telling you directly, this is what is working. Go figure this out. You know, these are the concepts you need to have at the front of your mind. Ben Johnson didn't have any of that. He did not have a direct transfer of knowledge of anyone who was especially at the cutting edge of figuring out how to, how to use space and how to really succeed in today's NFL. Uh, and so basically he's self-taught in that. And I got to give him a ton of credit and hat tip in that regard. Like that's very, very cool that he was basically able to be, you know, self-taught of, you know, uh, you know, a guy that can uh, succeed at the level that he is. And that makes me want to even put him higher on the list of offensive coordinators, despite the fact yeah, that it's an a po- impossible exercise because there's just so many question marks. But um, yeah, well, and, and obviously, like take him or leave him a little, and maybe the the rah rah was put down a little with the the draft that we had for this Lions team. But I think we still kind of respect what we've seen from Campbell as like a, a leader of men. Mm-hmm. And they worked together in Miami, and then when Campbell moved, uh, got to Detroit, he brought him up as, you know, just some sort of offensive coach. And this is where he ended up. As they've, boy, they've been through a lot of offensive coordinators over the, like the last ten years. It feels like. And mm-hmm. uh, Birdie's right; he was listed number one in Sam Monson's list. Okay. And the grain, grain of salt, because like, yeah, Shanahan, I, that's fine. You know, Shanahan, McDaniel, Andy Reid, like some of these guys that are like, hey, these are the guys running the offense, but they're coaches. Yeah, and they're not. They're not the coordinators. It's funny he did rank Nagy in the top ten as well, despite not even you know, yeah, not really coordinating the offense down yet. <laughs> I think it's just going to be like we're going to have to be like, well, he's good, right? Because look what's happening out here. Like yeah, we right. can't. It's, it's a tough. He's one. front. He's front running Pat Mahomes being good this year, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is the easy it's, thing to do. Anyway, it's, it's, a t- um, it's a tough one to ju- judge. But no, I mean, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Love where he's at, and I mean the the yeah. main question I have for you is like, yeah. where's he coaching next year? Yeah, then? okay, <laughs> that, that's that's. I, ju- you, I made a joke went, about no, like you went him, you went there. Him I and was, Caleb Williams in Tampa Bay. That was my dream. That was a, that was a perfect segue because I was literally going to ask you like, is there any other assistant in the NFL who is more likely to be a head coach next year? And I don't think that there is. He is the top of the list, especially if the Lions do reach their potential this year. Uh, if they, even if they just have a good second half of the season like they had last year, people are going to be clamoring to interview him. To and I think honestly he's got the makeup and you know again the, the self taught nature is pretty exciting because that means not only are you studying other te- other teams, other concepts, integrating their uh, you know what works, but then also having your own ideas that nobody really has an answer for yet, and that's exciting. Like that's very cool. So very very uh, you know high high. You know, buying all the Ben Johnson stock you want, I don't think you're going to get burned on that. Um, the um, well, obviously, like we, we yeah. mentioned, Kellen Moore, if if he turns that offense around, he's going to be a hot name. Um, you know, you'll you'll always have every you, you every can year bet on we, that all you want. I'm, I'm, yeah, we we do we do the <laughs> yeah. yeah we do the. I mean, yeah. if if it works, he's going to be getting yeah sure, interviews. Sure. But you, you'll always have the retreads. There'll be some retreads again. Obviously, like who knows what happens with the enemy uh, if Baltimore gets it. Like if if Lamar is, you know, eighty percent of his MVP season, I think Monken gets uh, some interviews because he's someone who's been mentioned in those kind of in those talks in the past as well. So it's going to be hopefully mostly offensive guys. We'll see. Uh, maybe your maybe your guy Lou Anarumo. You know, <laughs> if they 
uh, if he gets a little more love. Yeah, uh, that's, that's Raheem, a good call. Raheem, good Raheem Morris. Brian, Cal- Brian Callahan's probably in the mix there, too. He didn't get any love on Sam's list. That was weird. Brian Callahan certainly should be kind of in the top 10, I think. But anyway, that's um, that's the point. And then, obviously, yeah, the, the Niners yeah. defensive coordinator is always a candidate. So, uh, Steve, <laughs> Steve Wilkes. Steve, so. he, he was interim in Carolina after Rule. So yeah, his tenure, he had a very, he had a very un, un flattering tenure a, in Arizona, I guess. Right. Anyway. Oh yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, let's talk about 2022 lines. It was a wild season. Part of the reason that I think they're a hair overrated is because they finished so hot. And a lot of what you think about a team is what you last remembered them doing. And because they didn't have a playoff loss that threw a little cold water on them, they're remembered for mm-hmm. finishing the season hot AF. This team was eight and two down the stretch, nine and one against the spread. That is very, very, very impressive. Uh, the losses they had against the spread weren't even that. Uh, like I, I'm not even really. Who they they lost they lost outright to Carolina in a game that was a pretty clear like you know it was a low spot for them motivationally for a lot of reasons. It was a bad travel spot after you know back to back late in the season, a uh, hard fought win the week before two divisional games left people kind of all of a sudden telling them saying that, that you're going to the playoffs is a playoff team. This team is good. They all kind of, you know, read their own press kind of nonsense. So that was a pretty yeah. obvious letdown spot. Otherwise it was pretty, pretty outstanding. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that be- Drew. I'm going to have to give you credit for that. The, yeah, go ahead. The team that overperforms but misses the playoffs. Yeah. They don't they don't get that knock of like, oh, they lost a playoff game. Yeah. Like, like we knock Minnesota for losing sure. to a, another team that was, you know, middle of the packish but made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Detroit finished I, I let me look. I think it was eight and two. They went in an eight and eight two and run two, in the season. Nine and one against the spread. And and they were just scoring like it was yeah. 30 points a game for that second half of yeah. the season the offense was yeah. great but yeah we don't have that uh but they they looked like shit they should have been they should have been buffalo on thanksgiving that would have uh been wild for the uh the survivor guys but um the um yeah they they were amazing down the stretch they were hot hot, hot so yeah like you know like like you think you think the Giants are going to be good this year? Did you see how bad Philly beat them in the playoffs? Like that team sucks, you know. <laughs> like that that kind of mindset, that kind of you know, the Bills are suffering from that right now. Perception of the Bills is, I mean, are they even a top three team in the AFC? They got they got killed at home by the by the Bengals, Andy. Uh, you know, like that. The, the, but the, also what, too, yeah. like it's like we always we always make this comp to college, like. When you play, you're an SEC team who starts off with like playing the best team in the Pac-12 or something, and you lose that game, and you go undefeated in the SEC season. You kind of forget about like, oh, they lost to Oregon or they lost to Washington or USC. Like, you don't give a shit about that anymore because you just ripped through the SEC schedule and we saw it. <laughs> Same kind of things. Like nobody's talking about. This is a team that started one and six. Yeah, they looked like hammered dog shit in a lot of those games. Uh, Patrick springing up the Patriots game. They, they just couldn't get anything going. They didn't score in that game. Yeah, you know how many points they scored in the season? They were shut out one time. Amazing. It's a, it it yeah. was a really and that that's kind of the you know the hot hand fallacy or what have you done for me lately? It's like they really ended the season hot, and here we are with the hype. Yeah, and um, and you know some of the yeah they covered three straight out of the gate, but there was some fraud there. They had no business covering week one against Philly or week three at Minnesota. Oh, um, 
but uh, you know, hard fall win against Washington week two. Uh, that was a nice little sell high on Washington, right away. Um, and then similarly, like yeah, down the stretch they were just uh, a good bet on the rewarding the backers week in week out. There was a covering machine capped off with the incredible, uh, you know, a very very full heart perform against Green Bay in Lambeau to keep that team out of the playoffs. Um, you know, love love it. Um, only yeah, only a handful of good teams ended their season with a win, and Detroit was one of them. Kansas City was the other one, and they get to play each other week one. Um, all right, the um, the Ben Johnson Goff relationship I think is very clearly strong, and that's where things get interesting for 2023 and beyond. And that is that you know if EPA per play, any kind of success metric you want to use for Jared Goff would tell you he was clearly top ten last year, five, six, seven. You know, any one of those kind of in that zone, in that rare air with, uh, you know, the Josh Allens and Burroughs and, um, and uh, you know, Hertz's of the world, tier below the Mahomes of the world. That, to me, is pretty clearly as good as it ever could get, right? He's not going to leap any of those guys on talent. It's but so you know so so realistically you're talking about a team that is capped offensively by what we saw at the best of times last year. That might be good enough to win 10, 11 games this year and get into a playoff and clearly win the NFC North, which is weak. Um, but at the same time, that ignores their possibility that there's regression there, right? Like there's a this is you know projecting Jared Goff forward is an asymmetric distribution where he either matches what we saw last year or is worse do you agree with that yeah and you know a lot of it i think it is just having having that number one receiver and a a good play caller but that's as much as you're going to get out of him and an elite offensive line yeah the the offensive line doesn't get he was very very rarely very rarely under dress we we talked about that a little offline too about because I've I've seen I, I think Sumer had a podcast talking about interior defensive line where Eric and Dimitrov went back and forth and then there was a PFF thing just looking at some of the biggest non quarterback contracts and there was an awful lot of defensive linemen and especially interior defensive linemen and it's like man if if you wanna is it, it struck me something they talked about with Matt Ryan and how he struggled with interior pressure because he was a pocket passer who had to step up to make things happen. It's like, mm-hmm. man, if you want to beat some of the old guard pocket passers mm-hmm. and you have a legit threat on the inside to get inside pressure, because it feels like you can just rotate through edge rushers and bring guys in for third down. But if you have a true three down interior defensive lineman that can get pressure, you can cause problems for some of these, these pocket passers like this, but Again, like you just said, the offensive line was good enough to avoid a lot of that, and thereby golf yeah. looks a lot better. And yeah, I had him sixth in my in my numbers for last year. Well, wild. Yeah. So, number one reason that the Lions do not reach their potential this year or their current market rating in the NFC would be golf regression. Okay, now in this in the spirit of building out a probability distribution, because of Johnson, because of the O line, because of the weapons they have which at least to start the season do not include Jameson Williams. Uh, the, I think there is at least a 40% chance that Goff is at or near the level you saw last year. Fair? Yeah. But that means there's a 60% chance he's worse. 
can live with that. Okay. Uh, but I, one I, don't reason, think, yeah. I don't think it's a super low floor. Like I just said, the offense. No, sure, 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 like sure. You, you sure. would need. Yeah. You would need. Like, like it's probably like average, right? Like sixteen. You'd you'd need a cluster injury at the offensive line, and probably something would have to happen to like uh, they figured out Ben Johnson a little, which I I don't feel is super strong. Signal I there. Don't, yeah, I don't think it, it would have to be like no. Amon Ra misses time and they lost their left tackle. Yeah, interior offensive line injury. All of a sudden, Jared Goff's getting you know getting pounded. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's getting sacked with uh, interior bull rush type of stuff like that. That would that would be in that would be one. Um, I'm on, yeah, I'm on Ross St. Brown missing time would be one. The changes they made in the backfield, not being, not, not giving them a complimentary running game. It's funny how they look at all the stats for like the receiving core last year. And that it's funny how the touchdowns look all fucked up because they just scored so many on the ground, which was a little bit outlier, but I honestly think they might have upgraded at running back mm-hmm. I, kind of, okay. I, I didn't even hate the draft pick which we'll we'll finish up offseason moves here and offseason grades in a second but like in the, the blind I, the or for I this think, team <laughs> so the more i think about running back and all the goddamn discourse we've been forced to have over the last week so I've been, been, what are you talking about you're discoursing oh, there's there was some discourse around <laughs> running backs so the the more I think about it, it's like, well, the best case is just get a really good young running back every four or five years. It's like, man, our our team's actually smart to go after a running back in the draft if they really, really, if they have a smart offensive coaching mm-hmm. staff, a good scouting system, and they say like, hey, this guy's going to be cheap, and we're going to run him to the ground for five years because uh, the CBA isn't due until 2030, and we can do whatever we want right now still. And maybe they're not complete idiots for just saying, this is our yeah. guy. This Gibbs, guy though. Scheme. The opportunity the, the, cost of a uh, Christian Gonzalez for Gibbs. That the, the other issue, yeah. The issue I have with it, if you if you put it in a bubble like that, it's like, all right, that's not the stupidest thing. The obvious... Yeah. The obvious argument is you need corner help, you need pass rush help, you need interior D line help, and like all of those are huge needs. And all of those, and there was there were spots where you could have done all of that. So Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the obvious argument. But at the at just face level, it's like if you have a guy you think fits your scheme perfect and you can use him for like three four years cheap, go for it. Maybe it's not maybe it's not the dumbest move. For now, I'm willing to give this team the benefit of the doubt as far as offensive um, personnel choices because nothing's really gone super wrong other than Jamison Winston. Jamison Williams never playing. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And and as Birdie points out too, this guy is going to be in on a lot of third downs going out for sure. You know, going sure. out on on. Uh, passing routes for sure sure um okay uh any other kind of closing thoughts on 2022 before you want you want to get right to the decision making of the front office because if there's one weakness with this team i think it's the front office no um like we, I, like I said i'm, I'm yeah. pretty comfortable with the the moves they made outside of the you know the questionable draft it's just you know, we're kind of we're kind of in the same boat here with Minnesota and Detroit. Like, oh, are you just trying to do the same thing as last year? Because you didn't you didn't fix some of your big problems, but at the same time, you 
you, you won some games, I guess. So who are we to judge? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, okay. I, I don't have a ton. ton I guess the one, thing to, the, the, is, like, the, the, the one thing to the, note the, is like the one thing to note is the heartening thing, yeah. Drew, is that yeah. is the you know we're using it as a negative that they went eight and two down the stretch, but probably I think maybe that's a bit trite at time where we say like, well, it was a staff that was still kind of coming together, sure. uh, especially on the offensive side, and mm-hmm. maybe it's less of a oh, you just got hot and that's why we like you and more of a harbinger of, hey, this offense has got it licked. We just got to fix the defense. Yeah. Kind of like Minnesota. Let me build on what you just said. They lost a lot to start the season. They had a rah-rah coach who was, you know, pressing buttons of a, of a emotional nature. Very, very easy for that rah-rah spirit to curdle like spoiled milk when you are losing. Very easy. And for whatever reason, this team was loose. They were having fun. They were like, oh, yeah, we know we're, we're going to win eventually. Like, who cares if we take another loss? Like, there was no hang in their head. I don't believe in what we're doing. I'm quitting on this team. We need to get this asshole out of here. Right? And I yeah, think he's that's a, he's an excellent leader. There's something men. there. Yeah, there's something there. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there's something there. Cause that can go, because you know that can go so poorly, right? But when but when well, the guys the stick with him, buy into so it, he's he's basically he's uh he's you know the national football Tomlin, right? Like and it's a unique it's a unique situation because there's the one end of the spectrum is you've lost the locker room. And it's usually because you're you're not liked, or your coaching style is not liked. But you can be an asshole, and your coaching style can rub people the wrong way. But if you're winning and you're in the playoffs every year, it's like ah, that's just you know that's how he motivates us. Yeah, right. But you can be Bill when... Belichick and be anti <laughs> yeah. anti social. And yeah, but yeah, when it when ahead. it goes wrong and you're and you're that way, it's like well, this asshole lost the locker room immediately. Urban Meyer, the biggest example. Oh yeah, probably great great call. Ever. Yes. Uh, on the on the other end of the spectrum, you you gain the respect of the team. Doesn't matter what kind of coach you are, but just basically by winning. Like uh, you know, like we said with Belichick, you can be an asshole. You can be a players' coach. If you're successful, like I, I consider Andy Reid to be a players' coach, and he's well liked everywhere he goes. You know, I mean, basically, he's jolly. I mean, it's hard to hate on him. But uh, you know, it, winning winning trumps everything. Of course, it's such, a, it's such a unique situation because, like you said, they were one and six, and the team was still just like fully behind this guy. It's such a, it was such a weird deal. Like there was no mutiny. There's like they believe yeah. like he's selling. Yeah, there wasn't he's even bad body head, language with these guys. <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah. not a head football coach. He is the king of the salesmen. Yeah, good and, call. And, and it's funny because it's not like it's I'm not using salesman in negative connotation like a used car salesman. He has to sell you on yourself, kind of. And you know, the motivation. Like he's it's Tony Robbins out there. And if if people are buying what you're selling and they keep the the motivations there and the, the locker room stays where it is, once the offense turns around like it did, fuck, it's like, oh my God, this this team is this team is good. This team is a problem. It's a pain in the ass to play. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was an impressive ultimate, uh, uh, stick with itness of that, you know, and, and bringing that group together and, um, stick to itiveness. 
Uh, and uh, whatever, whatever his leader, whatever his leadership style is, it works with NFL players and that matters. Um, and so even a slow start to this year's Lions team, the idea that anyone is going to be abandoned ship, get rid of Campbell, not happening, not happening. He's got a long, you know, I would say at least, uh, you know, a long potential tenure uh, in Detroit, just based on the way that uh, the players seem to play for him specifically. Um I would say uh, Sam brings up a good point, which is low-key dream scenario for the Lions is they miss the playoffs again, can Campbell, can Campbell and promote D- Johnson. That's like the least likely, though. Yeah, Dick Vermeil was old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I just, I realistically, like, they're probably going to lose Johnson and Campbell's going to have to figure out a way to do it with a roster that's just good enough to keep them in purgatory every year. And uh, who knows what the future of the quarterback position is in there. Like, I'm not buying, you know, Lions stock long-term because they're, like, literally, like, the best-case scenario for us as betters is that the Lions reach their potential this year. They get a top three seed and people believe in them in the playoffs. They win a playoff game. Johnson leaves. And then this year, this time next year, when we're previewing the Lions, we are like, uh, sell, 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 sell. They seem will not reach, you know, will not be able to repeat because X, Y, and Z. Because they don't have the answers of figured out a long-term plan, figured out a quarterback. The defense still stinks and Johnson's gone. Like there's definitely a whiff of that in 2024. Are you there? Yeah. And and maybe maybe they hire from outside, but like the kind of guys that they would promote Mark Brunel is their quarterbacks coach. You know, uh, I don't know who this Tanner Ingstrad is Antoine Randall L is your wide receivers coach, Bunch of this is how we can tell we're getting old. These are all like our players from uh, when we were young Tanner Ingstrad. Yeah. Uh, man, they were all quarterbacks and like it's some okay. shitty college, yeah. but I, yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's not some oh, we're, we're fine. Like, there's another guy yeah, that yeah. can promote, and it'll be, yeah. it'll be Ben Johnson Jr. It's like, the, the long term stock is a little shaky because yeah. they're so likely to lose him if this offense yeah. looks good. Um, okay, so the that brings to the uh, us to the other key potential problem with buying into the Lions in a long term manner, and that is that the the personnel evaluations to this point, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, have been heavy swings and no contact. Hutchinson may ultimately be a fine piece. Yeah. And I mean, okay, uh, you know, he's a contributor. He's, you know, he's certainly your best pass rusher. Um, but there, this defensive depth chart is littered with guys that you elected to draft with relatively high draft capital who are underperforming. And I yeah. don't know if that's a developmental problem or if that is a talent evaluation problem, but it kind of doesn't matter <laughs> because this defense is bad on paper. This is a bad defense that is weak at all three levels. And that's that's not that's not going to help them win football games this year. Well, and, the, and they used a high pick on a defensive player who essentially plays Mike. I mean, he's the middle middle of the linebacking core guy, where you had much bigger week. And I know he was highly rated for his spot, but the positional value is so low for Jack Campbell and. There's so many issues in the secondary. You cut bait on a top three pick, sent yeah. him down to Atlanta, and for very uh, little return. Didn't get yeah, didn't get a lot of return on like his entire career, and basically like Hutchinson. 
looks good, but we need a really big step forward from him and some other people for this defensive uh, defensive front to look good. And then yeah. uh, I guess it depends how you feel about CJGJ. Uh, I like I like I don't hate the rebuild in the secondary. Okay, hang on. I let's, wish let's, I wish I wish they would have got an edge. I wish they would have got an edge player, but mostly. So you have Mosley as the number one, right? Yeah. Okay, Mosley as a number one. There are teams that are doing worse than that. That's not horrible. Then it starts. To, then it starts. To there are teams in your there. There are two teams in your division who are division doing worse than that. Doing worse. So, <laughs> yes. so yeah. having having Mosley as your number one isn't horrible. Okay. You need you need Sutton and CJGJ. Like one of them has to play well above, I guess. You know their their career to this point baseline to make me feel even halfway decent about the secondary. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, you have to see a, a career progression from Hutchinson and someone else on the defensive line has to work out. Otherwise, yeah. what are we at? Bottom, bottom eight. Yeah. For as a whole. Uh, bottom five. <laughs> what's your, what's, and what's, what's your ceiling then? I mean, you're, you're, uh, even if all those things I said, probably 20. All those things I said, your ceiling for me would still probably be like 16. So here's so here's the problem is that um, they're not like I said, they're not good anywhere. Their strength is their linebacking or their off ball linebackers are 20th. Um, They have a hair of depth. Uh, Pass rush. I have 24th. You combine the pass rush and the linebackers together. I rank them 30th because there's just no standout players. Their DBs, I have 23rd. And as in total, uh, the totality of the defense I have coming in bottom five. The CJGJ conversation is interesting. The Cameron Sutton conversation is interesting. Sutton underperformed last year. I don't know that he's very good. I have him below replacement level. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, even though he's, as you mentioned, he's better than some of the other CB1s in your division. I have him as below replacement level. Um, your safety, you know, particularly Tracy Walker the third guy you drafted, not, you know, not uh, not getting it done at the free safety level. Your strong safety is okay. That just helps, you know, stop the bleeding at the run game, though. Um, the CJGJ is interesting because when that move comes across the wire, I was like, ooh, like that was kind of the piece that made it all work for the Eagles last year, yeah, right? He was such a part of the whole. He like, was very much a part of the whole. You nailed it. And even worse than that, Andy, a really smart organization let him walk out the door and kept the other two guys. <laughs> you, you beat me to the punch on that. Yes. They let CJGJ waltz out the door. Second team in two years that is relatively good at evaluating personnel. They let CJGJ walk out the door. The Saints did it. He went to the Eagles. Windhorse. <laughs> why? Now, why would they do that, Andy? Now, why would they do now, that? Why would they do that? Um, yeah, so yes, there's that. There's there's a hesitancy for me buying into him all of a sudden turning that around. And again, like if he wasn't, <laughs> if you weren't counting on him being the best part of that unit then I'm maybe a little bit more optimistic, but you are so, counting on him being on the best part of that unit. So off, off yeah. season grade then is a C C. Yeah, sure. I, 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 I'm, I, I, I'm perfectly fine with letting two running backs walk out the door and who you oh, replaced yeah. him with. Always. Perfectly fine. You didn't really lose anyone else of consequence. The problem is that it's more of a longer arc 
I'm I'm concerned about the. I like Montgomery right? in this spot a lot. Yeah, with sure, a, with sure. A young guy sure. helping him out on third down Ma- for sure. Montgomery is a good grade. And, Marvin uh, Jones people is. People brought is up Mims. Per- Mims happened yeah. very recently last night. Yeah. Um, that's fine. a good. That's a good low risk move for a team that's sitting on a suspension for the young, you know, the young wide receiver, mm-hmm. and maybe they get, maybe they get more out of him than they thought, and he's him or Williams, maybe his trade bait or just hey, we have a really good number three now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excited for that. I think ultimately though, like the suspension to them and a couple of their depth pieces combined with, uh, um, you know, the way the schedule, if we, starts, if we can include gambling patience. from the facility in the grade, I might move you down to a D guys. Yeah. Not great. Um, all right, let's look at the schedule here and kind of synthesize some of this stuff. So starting out at KC, obviously not good. Am I making too much of this? Possibly. Um, no. Could they beat KC? They have a 29% chance to beat KC, maybe even 30, Andy. Um, you know you know what happens more than 30, you know, at least 30% of the time? Upsets in every single sport. Lots and lots of 30% winners will win games this year in the NFL. It is not impossible. But with your defense and particularly your inability to rush the pass rush against one of the, against, excuse me, the best interior offensive line and a top three offensive line in the NFL, um, I think uh, Pat Mahomes is going to have um, a little bit of a coronation day uh, with the banner hang um, and his second second banner in Arrowhead. Um, that does not look like a good spot for Detroit to get their season started. I also would circle the game against Atlanta as a potential question mark. I mean, they match up better against Atlanta than Green Bay does in terms of personnel, but it's still potential that Art Smith comes and you know gives you the business. Um, score, you know, push you in a tough spot to score. And I like the upgrades that Atlanta made defensively to where it's going to be tough for you to cover those for that five point spread. And, you know, if you, if you start, if you, if you come out a little slow against Seattle and then Atlanta gets you as you're a meaningful favorite, um, all of a sudden p- the people are starting to question whether they, you were overrated after three weeks at green Bay becomes a very important game with short turnaround uh, and then Carolina, again, a very, very good defense. If you're not at full strength, that's going to be a tough one for you to really score into the 30s. So I think that we could very well pick our heads up on October 9th, and the public will have completely lost the luster of this team and this offense in particular. Is that, do you, are you there at all? Can you imagine? And this is truly the. I'm I'm Clooney. You're you're Mark Wahlberg. We look at each other and we realize this is the perfect storm. If we can end up in that exact spot you described on October the ninth, I believe that I believe the storm happened. It was a nor'easter, so it was in the <laughs> fall, and we are at the perfect point. Also, this is like Jupiter and Mercury, and like you know, in the house of whatever the astrologists say. If we're at the perfect spot. In the Baker Mayfield cycle as well. Oh boy! And those two things oh, just line boy. up. Oh my god! Oh baby! They're just what what a hammer spot <laughs> for uh you know for Detroit, and that's because they're they're going to be good. People are going to be teams. doubting them anyway because they're just Tampa Bay is coming off of a bye. Detroit's got all this travel. Like yeah, yeah like that's going to be a deflated number anyway. Oh yeah. What what if what if Tampa gets bet out to you know. I'd have to look at Tampa's schedule uh, pretty early in the season, but I mean, if Baker even has a couple decent games against some spots that everybody should be having decent games against, and they're coming off a bye, Detroit's a little disappointing. Like Tampa getting bet up there 
feels like a fun spot to yeah. take. A, I'm, I'm going to love taking yeah. this team. Tampa as a dog. could be three and one. They they got their dogs against uh, Minnesota, Chicago, and New Orleans, but those are all winnable games. Um, yeah. So yeah, they could be. They're going to lose. They're going to lose their asses to Philly, but they could be three and one coming off their buy. People could be buying into them. Who knows? Um, the um, but yeah, if if basically if middle of October we get a run of being able to back the Lions at a at a uh, deflated price week six, seven, eight, going into their buy. And then coming out of their buy, they have a nice little stretch there where they're going to be able to be competitive against the Chargers. Uh, they should beat the, you know, the Bears and the Packers at home. They should beat the Saints and the and the Bears on the road. Like you, you could be talking about a stretch in the middle of the season there where this is like eight and one ish. And uh, I think the buy low point is probably going to be after that Carolina game. It's just a matter of whether they win or, or lose. Um, but I would almost certainly be taking Carolina if we see plus five or plus six or plus whatever the points, because I think a uh, decent spot there for the for the defense of the Panthers. Um, so interesting schedule. Uh, and I think the name of the game is going to be exercising patience through the early portion of the season and finding the right buy price and the right buy point uh, to take this team in the hopefully five to one range to win the NFC North, because let's look at the odds. It's so nice. Plus 145 for the North is not getting me all hot and bothered at all. Do I need more? <laughs> I need to need something a little better for a team that hasn't made the playoffs since like 1991 or whatever it's been. No, actually, no, they made it a couple They've times. They've made it. They just, they have not won a game won. since yeah. like uh, Barry Sanders was in like a second. They should have beat the Jesus. Cowboys, but the refs beat them that day. Yeah. You remember that one? Mm-hmm. Um, Super Bowl is a no for me. NFC is a maybe for me, but I need to price like 20 to 1-ish middle of the season. 9 to 1 is not getting it done. And correct me if I'm wrong, as you know, some people have pointed out in the chat over the last few previews, you know, that the, the win total is something that's been up every week for certain teams at certain books. Uh, the make the playoffs price too, not just to win the North. I think if we're sitting in a spot there in early October and we, we like what we're seeing, it's just, Hey, they had bad matchups and we think they can get it together and go on a run again. I'll probably play some North and some, you know, at least enough to make the playoffs to cover, cover the North price, because it does feel like the, the second half of the schedule is a little lighter. And if they get things together, this is a team that can, obviously still win enough games to find a seven seed in the, in a, you know, they almost did that last year, Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, quick question for you, Andy, how many uh, quarterbacks in the NFC have played in the Super Bowl? Oh, well, Garoppolo's not over there anymore. So it's just golf and uh, Brady's last not year, there. Last year hurts. Hurts. Yeah. And oh, maybe boy. Matt Stafford. Three. There are yeah. only three. There are only three quarterbacks in the NFC who have played in a Super Bowl, and Goff and Hertz are 0 and 1 a pop. Um yeah. So I think I think I was I was sitting there trying to remember where Nick Foles was. Yeah. I I mean I, I don't I don't ultimately think the defense is good enough for them to win a Super Bowl against an AFC team. But uh, a defense is good, and the offense is good enough when it's fully healthy and when it's clicking. I think to um, uh, to win in a weak NFC. So if we get the right price midseason at some point, I could definitely be uh, 
making that case. Uh, I think it's just a, you just have to exercise patience with these guys. Cause you know, they're not really built to win in the playoffs necessarily, but uh, you know, anyone that has the sort of relationship between coach and, you know, coach and um, players that you see with the lions, like, would you, you know, Dan Campbell getting these guys fired up on a playoff day game? Like, oh God, I could see it. I could see it. Getting this team fired up to play in San Francisco in like an NFC Championship game, like, <sighs> and and like you said, it's it's silly because we dog on this guy all the time, but like, Goff has kind of quite a bit of playoff experience, all things considered, for the rest of the teams that are in the NFC. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy. Um, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like the like the number of quarterbacks who have wins in the playoffs. Dak has like what one or two. Daniel Jones has one, uh, and that's it. <laughs> like besides the guys we mentioned who have been to Super Bowls, like that's it. Uh, I guess Brock Purdy has two. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's keep moving. Oh, on. Yeah, Dak. Um, Dak did have that the uh, the Seattle win. Um, in 19. Yeah. Let's talk about range of outcomes a bit because this one again is kind of interesting. I think the way the market has this team priced and we just looked at the ads, they are, you know, win total of, I forgot to say it out loud, but nine and a half implied yeah. wins is in the nine, nine and a half range. Make the playoffs. Yes. Is minus 168, 78. All of that stuff as currently priced to me is very, very, very easy to buy into that being their ceiling for me which means as price, there's only downside, I think. Are you, yeah. are you, are you there? I'm, the, I'm there. I can't, I can't back them until I get better prices. I still have to be believing them in them at that point. It can't be, oh, this was a one-off and we're done. And then we just aren't betting that team. And we're happy to just have our Packers <laughs> price. And at that point, sure, yeah, saying, that's very possible. we're looking yeah. at like, hey, where do we enter yeah. with Minnesota at this point? But right. Sam brings up uh, Amon Ra, Offensive Player of the Year, 60 to 1. I had to go find the the little chunk I wrote for the. I did I die I did a deep dive a little into Ra's. Nobody calls him Ra. Saint Brown season last year. Um, he has a. It was like eighteen to one for most receptions as well. And he he had that ankle injury versus Minnesota in week three. He missed the following game. Came off that too early. Looked mm-hmm. like garbage. And then if you remember versus Dallas, he caught a ball really early and got his bell rung and they concussion protocol him out. So he missed that entire game as well, too. And he and he still had, you know, he was still like your fourth, I think, as far as receptions. He had 106 catches on 146 targets. Like he's probably good for 160, 170 targets if he's fully healthy. Yeah. Like he's I, I made a case for that. He's probably a little long for um most receptions obviously again with cup back cup eats a lot of that market because he's a fucking i don't know what his ceiling is for targets if they really want 200 jesus but uh he's a decent price there and then i don't mind that in either lipscomb uh 60 to 1 for offensive player of the year if he does have that kind of year he's going to be in the you know in the discussion it's just when are we going to get back to this giving it to the second best quarterback? Cause I think we're probably due for that after last year now again. Mm-hmm. So I, I worry about some of these good receivers for offensive player of the year, unless, unless there's been some sort of paradigm shift where, you know, this is now the not quarterback award. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel like there's a little little faint whiff of that after. Well, let's go uh, look at let's, quarterbacks let's, before, win before, MVP. Yeah. Before we yeah. get too deep in that, let's go look at the voting last year because we actually do have now ranked choice voting, so we have a better idea of how people down balloted. No, for um, sure. For sure. Okay, so um, so range of outcomes as priced, it's only all unders if you want to know how the distribution fits versus the expectation, in my opinion. Um, and the reason that, that it's belled to the bottom, uh, we already covered it. The most likely is Goff regresses for some reason, because he's not as good as he was last year on paper. The Another is obviously that it's a relatively thin, it's a really good but thin offensive line. So here's kind of at my mind where I am completely off even price shopping lines midseason. Something happens to Frank Reg now. Really, really good center. Uh, not a household name, but the guy, you know, people will know that. Like if they have to go backup center, all of a sudden I'm not feeling great about anything happening for this team going forward. Graham Glasgow was a fine backup, but, uh, you know, not 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 the same kind of offensive line captain as Frank. Uh, similarly, like uh, left guard Jonah Jackson is very very good. Taylor Decker, left tackle, is very good. These are not household names. If they if a couple of these guys get hurt, um, it is literally pull the uh, pull the ejecto cedo on the Lions twenty twenty three season. Um, and this is like extended, uh, you know, absence then then you know a huge strength turns into a huge weakness for that squad so um i think uh because like the conditions kind of have to be perfect for golf to replicate what he did last year ben johnson has to be just as good at calling plays his wide receivers have to be just as efficient the new running backs have to be just as complimentary and the offensive line has to be just as awesome uh, otherwise, there's a lot of indoor games. As Patrick, I think, mentioned earlier, um, they play indoors. I think, um, and in, in they're still they're indoors for everything. There was no snowflakes at all on that schedule, right? Oh no, there's one. They play one outdoor game at Chicago. Otherwise, was it? Oh, that at, at Chicago. Super and, late though, was it? It's uh, December 10th. Yeah, that was the only one. Everything else is basically cleaner. indoors. Yeah. Yeah, early in the season, they go at Tampa Bay, at Baltimore, and at Green Bay, at Kansas City. Late in the season, they go at Chicago. Everything else is indoors. So, tiny hands, golf, not going to have to deal with the weather too, too much. Um, yeah, yeah, basically. Until the, yeah. the NFC title game in yeah. the link. <laughs> what would it do that? Uh, obviously, I, seven. Yeah, I feel like your your most likely outcome, and I mean we can just do this by the odds if we want to be boring. But for you, most likely places to host the NFC title game that aren't mm-hmm. Philly, San Francisco number San one, San Francisco number two, and Dallas, then... Dallas number two. Are you usually saying? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm just Niners one, one, Dallas two, um, and then. Then it's a muddled mess, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that point. You're talking yeah. Minnesota, Detroit, Minnesota, Detroit, York, Atlanta, Seattle, Seattle, Atlanta. Yeah. 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 It's it's it feels like it lands in Dallas, big old big old tier. Yeah, it's a big old yeah, tier. Philly, after Philly is a big chunk, and then Dallas and San Francisco are another big chunk, and then it's everything else. Yeah, yeah, would be pretty surprised if anyone can steal the one seed besides those three teams, and uh, 
would be pretty surprised if any of those teams loses at home in the divisional round, giving the home field in the NFC to a three or four seed, right? That's kind of what yeah. we're talking about in order for that to happen. Really, really little problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Maybe Detroit's comes. realistically Detroit's probably fourth on that list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a tough, yeah. a, a good, a good Asians. fan base in an indoor stadium in the playoffs is a pain. Ask teams that have had to go to the Superdome or the Metrodome or, mm-hmm. you know, some of these good indoor stadiums when these teams are good. Like that's, it's, it is a problem for your offense um, of course, when yeah. you're calling plays, when it gets super loud down there. And those, uh, I mean, oh, Jesus going, Seattle's not even true, you know, indoors, man. And that's a, uh, that's obviously haunted people for many years when they've had to go there in big games. Um, yeah, range of outcomes, like you said, it probably trends to the under, but that's trying to predict injury, and mm-hmm. that's impossible and silly to try to do. So mm-hmm. it, it is, it is like I said off the bat, because of this offense, the offensive play caller, your number one receiver, and your really, really high-end top five, maybe top three offensive line, where do you have it as a whole? Ranked in the NFL, third. I think I have them. I have them second or third. I'd have to go pull up my spreadsheet yeah. here. I got them third. Um, Interior eight, offensive line is all third. It's so good it's, tackles. It's it's a very high floor without injuries. Yeah, so yeah. they're kind of in that Minnesota range of eight to ten mm-hmm. an awful lot of times. Yep, yep. Good enough scheme, good enough offense. They're going to be in games. They're going to be a second half bet. They're going to be a second half over bet. Um, and uh, they're going to be an overbet in general with their defense as bad as it looks on paper. Um, yeah. And then patience in the futures market. I think we're going to we're going to come and scoop some prices at some point, probably in the absence of injuries. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm there. Like if we, I think like you said, you alluded to it pretty early in the in the preview. There, we're going to be looking for Detroit prices at some point during this season. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're there, maybe they're not, but we're going to be looking for them. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Um, Andy, we're all in now. We are through one quarter. First quarter is over of the NFL previews. Eight of 32 in the books. How many, how many deciles is that? <laughs> that motherfucker put out another one of those MLB teasers. It's two and a half deciles, Andy. <clears throat> um he did really oh good god um all right so uh we got to decide on a division for next week we're 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 cooking with gas we're hot right now i think we go good and we do either afc east or afc north i'll let you pick oh man let's just get right we're into cooking the, with the, the, yeah, the most fun the, one those are the two is, most fun yeah the most fun one is the afc east let's just do it okay let's rip that in. i'm excited for that next afc week. east afc east afc east all right no so no real be... questions about that one nothing that's going to happen during we know where just we know where deandre hopkins ended up he's so he's not going to be on the yeah. bills oh, or, yeah, Patriots or whatever so yeah i think i think we we uh we got some pretty decent certainty with those squads uh, AFC East is our next division previews next week. You guys tune in. I don't even know who's third. Who's third in the odds there? Uh, probably Jets. Is it New Pats England? Or, sorry, is it New England and Pats, the Jets? Is yeah, Miami? Pat, Pats are fourth. Jets third. Miami second. Buffalo one. That sounds right. But yeah. if some, if you would have said that, you know, the 
you know, the the Jets were third, or excuse me, the other way around. I, I, I said it with conviction. I would have been convinced. I'm pulling it up now. So it is New England, Miami. The Jets are, this is just, I just pulled up FanDuel. Jets are above Miami at FanDuel. We'll, well have to make a judgment. Yeah, we'll have to make a judgment <laughs> call on that. No, 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 no. We're not using those odds. That's weird. Wonder is it because of the Jets are it's in close. New York? Is it because FanDuel has such a New York heavy base? Is this a geographic? So, thing? I mean, when I pull up FanDuel on my browser here, I'm pulling up the New Jersey version of it. So maybe, maybe I'm a, little, a little uh, bit of a Meadowlands tinge. Meadowlands but... tinge to it. Let me see what the uh, let me see what the market makers say. Market makers have the Jets second. Plus two seventy to plus two seventy four for the Dolphins. So it looks like we are talking Patriots Dolphins on Monday. Okay. Yeah, I guess Dolphins your third. Sorry, guys. It's awesome. close. Very close. All right. All right. Hit the thumbs up in the YouTube. Thanks for following along in the podcast. If you have any stuff that we missed or you have any questions or stuff to add, obviously tag us in the Discord. Tag us on. Boy, Twitter. do I not hit us, agree with that? Hit us in the YouTube. <sighs> I agree with it being close. I'm yeah, fine but that. not, not. I mean, it's like a percentage off. Yeah. All right. See you guys. <laughs> you're getting bent out of shape about that. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're, you're kind of getting mad about that. It's funny. Oh, um, I didn't expect. I think I feel like I caught by surprise, which is why I'm angry about. Well, it, that that's know? why I was questioning it. I'm like, it's close. Did you pull up Chris? Yeah.